It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Jay Crawford, Adam the Bull, Garrett Bush, and so many big names, it would take me hours to say all of their names. The ultimate Cleveland sports show. Booyah. Hey, looks like we got a gangster mayor. Listen, hey, <laughs> I love it. this. Story. I love it. Okay, Browns fans, don't go anywhere. We're going to get to that it's in just crazy. a second. Uh, hot off the presses. <laughs> <laughs> All right, a uh, lot to get to today. A whole lot to get to today. Uh, we're going to do Bulls bet. First, quickly, a rundown. We're going to preview Cavs next game three. My buddy from ESPN, Tim Legler, is going to come on, mm. full of uh, opinion on not just the Cavs series, but all the NBA series. Mm. Guardians open with the Marlins tonight at Progressive. And is there even a list of five things that Tyvis can't do? No. Nope. I don't know, but I'm going to try. I don't know why you wasted your time. McNuggets is out. Ant is in again. Ant. <laughs> Did you get like after two? Did you start? Did it really become difficult? Two. Look, I'm gonna be honest, Jay. I thought of this at two in the morning. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I, I bet Tyvis can't do something. So I'm, I'm gonna very, figure out what he can't do. I'm very interested to see the list because I, I will be fair about it today. I will oh, tell you this: oh. you'll never find five things that he'll agree upon that he can't do. Well, I, that's true. That's absolutely true. But is I, one. It, I don't think it's any, I don't think it's five things is, I can't. Is one of them he cannot touch my cutter? Is is that one of the five? No, because I thought wow. trying to think of stuff. <laughs> Thanks, bro. I think I could do, but I don't know necessarily if Tyvis could do. All right. And one one and four, I don't know if I could do, but everything All else right. I I know I can do. So that's coming up. Uh, Bulls bet. Bulls bet. Yeah. Today brought to you by Bet Rivers. Hey, Ohio, Bet Rivers Online Sportbook is the place to be for every single game. Now is the perfect time to join Bet Rivers Sportbook when you use deposit code SPORTS. You'll receive a second chance bet up to $500. Get in on all the action with weekly specials on your favorite sports like basketball and hockey to help you win big. Check out BetRivers.com or download the Bet Rivers app today for the latest lines, odds, and boosts. And Bull <laughs> went today with Rangers minus 1.5 against the A's and the Angels minus 1.5 versus the Royals. What's his record now? So Mike usually keeps track of it, and I didn't realize I oh, had to keep track of it, it while he was in Dallas. So that's my okay. bad. Um, <laughs> we'll figure I know it out. he went one and zero yesterday. So okay. tack that on to whatever was on he Tuesday. Was, he was ten and five, I think he said on on Wednesday. He's somewhere in the nine range, I think, of wins for baseball right now, give or take. Yeah, because he's doing it kind of. Losses, so we're keeping a, we're keeping a full scoreboard, and then he he says that he could definitely win money betting baseball. Okay, so, so we we got a scoreboard. So far, said, right now, I it looks swear like he, he said he was hit. ten and five. In uh, ten and five. So I think at one point he was just barely over five hundred collectively. <laughs> yeah, he was. He and died. I <laughs> think he was hovering maybe at or above five hundred on the baseball picks. By the way, McNuggets is betting every single game this year. He's making one hundred and sixty-two ten-dollar bets with the run line that the A's will lose. Some of the experts say they could lose one hundred and ten games. Now, an interesting development in the as we track that bet, the team is completely unplugged now. As the big story yesterday, the oh, owners of the Oakland A's bought a huge parcel of land not far from the Vegas Strip. Yeah, and obviously the speculation is they're going to break ground on a new retractable roof stadium. Mm. About thirty thousand people will it, it will hold. Um, that sounds nice. Right there in Las Vegas. So I feel bad for I feel bad for Oakland. You know what it is? It's the movie Major League come to life. They lose it. They're losing on purpose in order to move the team. And they might, McNuggets might be onto something because they might lose 120 games. 
Because there's what's the incentive? You know, the, the fans are going to stop coming. Yeah, they're they're not that they were before. Do it for the diehards, it just, man. The, the, the 20 people that's in the stands <laughs> every game, no matter what. That, that, one of their promotions is you get to sit uh, in the dugout for some of the fans. Man, which is, I, I saw wow. some pictures. I'm kidding. I mean, I'm about that to say, that's desperate. But you know, they got, that, that, I, I that just got word from Oakland's director Steve dumb. that his brother is a huge A's fan and he is officially done with the team. Yeah, I mean, wow. why would you? Well, I mean, because they move it. Look what happened here in Cleveland. That was a little different because the fan base here was so rabid. Yeah. And it's not like they were a horrendous team at the time of the move. So, you know, but but the fan apathy in Oakland is going to be off the charts. They, I mean, just, do, they do, just lost the Raiders. Do, do they even do they even have enough? I don't know if they got the infrastructure, the appetite, the funding to even get a stadium in Oakland. It's a good point because they've been trying to get one for the better part of 20 years. Mm. Th that stadium, I, I don't know if you guys remember this. A couple of years ago, there was a big story. S sewage was was coming back up through the through the bathrooms at the stadium. I wonder what the players feel about moving to Vegas. You think they? You think they forward? Well, let me ask you this: Would you rather live in Oakland or would you rather live in Las Vegas? Vegas, Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they're going to have to twist anybody's arm. And let, me, and let me ask you a question. I mean, you've been in a lot of places. You play for a lot of teams. As long as that check keep coming. That's it. Look, yeah, you know what I'm talking I don't care. Yeah, yeah we're good. One, one positive, they don't have to pay California state taxes anymore. It's crazy. That would be very nice. That's a big, that's so a big positive. Y'all seen my San Francisco check. I would show it to y'all, but I that's classified you, information. It, you swallowed when you saw how much the state Woo! of California took. I, you know what I tell you what it was I had so before taxes I had 37,000 after ta taxes took 20,000 20, of it and I went home with 15,000 15 grand so you, so you were in like a 60% tax bracket yeah because you were in California yeah because I was in Santa Clara and so you can understand why now guys from Jacksonville and Houston oh, yeah. and Dallas and Tampa and Miami that's why they all want to go that's where they want to go no they tax. have a, they have an actual geographic advantage because they yeah. don't have to pay that state income 60, tax listen they hit you with 20 plus thousand yeah. I thought I got fine that's how like bad it 20 was. Racks. <laughs> I, I literally I literally walked upstairs and said can I talk to somebody did I get fine and they was like no that's just taxes I said you gotta be I, I that's why when people be like I want to leave San Fran I'm like I don't really blame you <laughs> well, that's why there's a mass exodus you. from the state uh, in part, Lord. it's one of the reasons. I mean, the, the, the tax, they tax you to death. Yeah. Um, Brown store. Let's do this. <laughs> speaking of uh, football tax, teams and, and stadiums. And and yeah. uh, Ant, you got to read this because this is, this is kind of breaking news <laughs> because I think everybody's under the, under, uh, the, the idea that there's going to be a stadium renovation here. I think Jimmy Haslam was under the idea that the state or the city was going to help with some funds to do that. Breaking news. Yeah, so guys, uh, we're going to get right into our Browns talk here. And whenever we talk Browns, it's brought to you by Lincoln Electric. Lincoln Electric is now hiring for great jobs in the welding field. Go check them out. We love Lincoln Electric around here. And Steve, you want to take tag board full here. Mayor Bibb is quoted was saying, I'm no longer going to risk general revenue fund dollars for maintenance on a privately owned football franchise. And if you go into the article here that Daryl posted, you'll see more about how he's more focused on renovating the lakefront more than renovating anything with the Browns and the team. Yeah. Okay. So you guys know that uh, it's, it's, I guess it's a meme. It's a, it's an animated meme where somebody says something and then it pauses and then a pair of sunglasses come on yeah. and yeah. a do rag comes out yeah. and a sig goes sig in his mouth yeah. and they play the, I think it's Snoop or Dre little, yeah. little beat. Uh, <laughs> Mayor Bibb is gangster for doing this. Yes, I'm not, you know, this is a sports show and I understand that, you know, we want the best for the Browns and stuff like that. And they, yeah, they, I would like a new stadium, but I mean, Mayor Bill, right, man. I, I'd rather see the city cleaned up and have a better lakefront than than I think the Brown Stadium is cool as it is right now. I think they and if you got if you got a, a guy who's investing in Milwaukee, I, mean, I think that might have had something I, to do with it. Yeah, you like, got the money. I like. said at the time, I said now who's <laughs> going to come and ask the city of Cleveland yeah, and our taxpayers for money to help build his house so he can remain a billionaire that's, that's arrogance bro that's the arrogance at the highest level when you looked when we looked at it and they asked him about this i think at, at the owners meetings they he said no um does your investment in the milwaukee bucks in any way shape or form prohibit you from from continuing to contribute funds 
or to make sure that the Cleveland Browns have the most available funds to them to, to win at the highest level. He says, no, no that's not going to happen. That's not a thing. Then it came comes out when we heard the number. We're like, whoa, that's a lot of money. It was upwards of three, four hundred million dollars. Yes. He said, oh, it wasn't really that bad. Our problem was this. We looked at it and said, okay, well, I could have just swore. We was talking about all these renovations that we had, Jay. I, I thought we was. Yep. Uh, and, and I'll give you an example of, of this and how it works. If you are an individual and you uh, are trying to get a house or you're trying to get a car or you're trying to make renovations, you don't make. You, you can't fight a war on two fronts. That that's just that's just that that that's that's military one on one. You cannot fight a war on two fronts. Now you telling me you're trying to get a house. But then you want to renovate the backyard, but then you want to attach a room and then you want to go get a new car. No, nah, bro. Well, you can do that as long as you got the <laughs> checkbook like, like, for it. If you got yeah. it, but here's the thing. <laughs> but I can't go to my boy and ask to borrow no money. No, <laughs> and, and essentially it's not even asking to borrow money. He's asking for, to just get the a handout. Yeah. Go for me. So here's the problem with this and it can go a lot of different ways and I'm just speculating and I'm really because we just heard of this report moments ago. I'm kind of just spitballing out loud. Mm-hmm. It's I've been told that all along the Haslam's are in love with the idea of independence mm-hmm. and building a facility there similar to what the if you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Rams and the Chargers have in LA. That's so a huge kind of megaplex deal where it's, yes, it's a stadium, but there's all kinds of entertainment options around it. Now, remember, that's where Top Golf is, yeah. which draws a huge number of fans. Yeah. Now, to do this, you need many, many acres. I'm told that they believe there's a plot of land that they could buy and use. Then we all of a sudden we heard all these conflicting reports from the Neo Trans blogger. Mm-hmm. And I at the time I was wondering, is this guy being used for Haslam to get his message out? Or is every, this actually, everybody refuted it? Everybody, everybody, everybody refuted it. But you know what? Initially, the report was that he wanted a dome stadium. Mm-hmm. And then the word came that the Haslam's commissioned uh, architecture ar- architectural firm to do a, an analysis on the stadium. How much would it cost to put a dome on it? Yeah. And basically, the report said this stadium was built quickly, cheaply, and poorly, and there's really no chance that you're going to just throw a lid on it and it's going to be safe. Mm-hmm. So that got us down the road of, well, might he move to another spot? Then we heard from Neotrans again, the blog, that they were looking at alternate plots of land. One of them, the land we're sitting on right now, where Channel 3 Studios are located, downtown Cleveland, not far from the stadium on mm-hmm. Lakeside. Yep. We also heard that Independence was a big option. Then all of a sudden, forget all of that, Haslam came out and there was, there was word that said, no, we're, we're thinking about just staying where we are and renovating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm guessing that that precipitated Mayor Bibb to come forward and say, no, nah, that's all you can pay for it, <laughs> but I'm not because I mean, that's, that's what he's saying in this article. I'm not, I'm, I'm done using Cleveland funds to help a billionaire mm-hmm. put a new stadium on that plot of land that by the way, will only increase his value. Yeah. He's going to get that money out upon sale of the team. Well, I mean, that's what's happening. As a mayor, your job is to look out for the best interests of the city, right? And make the city more appealing. You know, it's it's violent stuff going on. You're trying to stop the violence. You're trying to make downtown a peaceful place for people to come to. I remember he sat in here. He was talking about that lakefront, trying to get houses and stuff up there and get companies to be on that lakefront. If you do this, obviously you just scrapping his whole plan of what he wanted to do to make Cleveland a more appealing city and more of a place that people want to be. But 
I mean, like I said, the stadium is nice, but you definitely, if you the owner, you got to pay for that yourself. Boy, like, I like, tell you, you can't keep. I think so. You know what? He also saw the timing on this is very immaculate. I think Mayor Bibb saw that 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 paycheck the Commanders got six billion. Yeah. Like you said, hold on, hold on. And by the way, they're in a very similar stadium situation to the Browns. Right. They don't have a sta- a, a newer stadium. No. This is about as old as ours. So you mean to tell me when these guys cash out? They getting billions. They getting three, four, five, six, seven times no, what six, they put in. Six right. is old money now. Well, it's and, more than that. Well, I think and we we looked up at the time. I think Snyder purchased the Redskins for at or below a billion. Yep. Okay, now I'm not sure. I'd, I'd have to look this up. I, I'm a, I'm imagining that the metro area in D.C. kicked in some money for the FedEx Stadium. Mm-hmm. Yep. So does that mean that when Snyder gets that six billion dollar check, he's going to reimburse the city for the money that they but, gave him for the stadium, uh, which, which uh, changed hands too? No, it doesn't work that way. Uh, no, he's just like thanks. I, and I so <laughs> if I'm if I'm Mayor Bibb, here's what I say: How much you want? Five hundred million. Okay, here's the deal. I'm going to give you five hundred million, and upon sale of the franchise or ten years, whichever comes first, you pay it back at ten percent interest. <laughs> give, give that money back. Why? Why are we? I, I think it's a, one of the great hoodwinks of the 20th century that fans of teams and cities, many of the residents who are not fans of those teams, have been hoodwinked into paying so billionaires can build new houses that when they sell the franchise, they get to cash in on again. It's just it. it, it. We be, you you're right. We've been we've been tricked into believing, and here's the biggest trick. So Mayor Bibb, I like the fact that he, he pulled out his his Trump card too and said, "Well, listen, all right, you moved the team once, you can't do it again." And and, <laughs> and, and you know what? He's got the upper hand. <laughs> you can't move it. So what? You can just be mad. You Not can be only upset. can he move it, the league would never they, they allow it. They would never approve it. So here's the thing. Like he just said, "Well, nah, bro. We we we're gonna be businessmen about this." And, and Jay, what do you think about this? Maybe the Haslam's already had ideas that they wanted the stadium to be somewhere anyway. They were always that, willing to finance so it. That's the end game. In my view, when I, st- when I started saying I'm just going to spitball out loud, I think this now gives them the political capital. There it is. And, and cover mm-hmm. to say... Look, we really wanted to be downtown, <laughs> but the mayor said he's not going to give us free money. You see that look he had in his eye? We really wanted to. Like, that's that look. <laughs> yeah, we wanted to do it, <laughs> but I guess we're just going to have to go to independence, damn it. So I mean, if they did, so say they did use public funding, would that be a tax credit for those people or something like that? I'm not sure how it would work from a municipality standpoint. The way I've always understood, some of these deals are done differently. Mm-hmm. Typically, what happens is the city, sometimes they even get a check from the state. The, the, the Guardians got a check from the state. Yeah. Uh, they ask for monies to run the stadium, to operate the stadium, mm-hmm. and to keep the stadium up to date, yeah. up to code, and make sure that it's snuffed with all the other 31 stadiums across the league, or 30, 29, however many there are. Yeah. The interesting thing to me here is I, I do believe that Jimmy Haslam writing the couple hundred million dollar check to become <laughs> a minority owner in a team in Milwaukee. I, I, I'm wondering, I'd love for Mayor Bibb to, to talk about it. We, you have an invitation to come on this show and talk anytime you oh, want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we've had you in studio. We would love to have you as a guest. If someone's watching this and has access to the mayor and they want to shoot out a call to him and you want to call us right now, we would love to talk to you about this. I would like to know what his thought process was on how we got there. I, like you, I, I'm, I think we're crazy if the Milwaukee buy didn't play into this. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so let me ask you, what do you think would make, what do y'all think makes downtown more attractive? <clears throat> A big megaplex stadium that could have all these events or uh, new restaurants, new businesses, new houses? Yes. Which one? Yes. All of the above. <laughs> Both. So it's hard. Would they lose? Okay, so if... Let's Here's say- the hammer that Haslam's holding, okay? 
I'm the centerpiece yeah. to what you want to do down yeah. there. So if I move, if would, I move, would that affect everybody else that business? Of does? course it would. Okay. Now on the other side, you have to look at it like this, and I think Mayor Bibb will. That's only eight days a year. I got nine 80, days a year. I got yeah, eighty for the Guardians. I got another forty for the for the Cavs. And, and if the Cavs get good, here's his thing. his hope is. Well, we got we got two teams that are very successful, more successful than the Browns that have been traditionally. And look at it this way. They're kind of landlocked down there. One of the pieces of land that they would love to be able to do something with is Burke Lakefront, mm. located about 200 yards behind my back right now. Mm. It sits there, and we know this because the gym faces yeah. Burke yeah. and the wall of windows, and as we're working out all day, I see a lack of activity at Nothing. the airport. I've never Most seen days, I never see a plane take off I, or land. I've never, I've been here a it's year. It's about to take never. off in a minute, actually. We was up there looking at it today. I mean, it's, it, I'm not going to say that they don't use it, but it's rarely, if ever, used. And it's mostly used by extremely wealthy people. Yeah. So, you know when it's used? When the DNC, or the RNC convention was in town? When the World Series and NBA playoffs are here and all the celebrities that want to be seen mm-hmm. fly into Burke. And it's convenient for them, and I get that. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, whenever they do decide to be nice and give us one of the events, all of the rock stars fly in to Burke. And they're lined up like, you know, planes coming into LaGuardia. Mm -hmm. However, on 360 days a year, you you rarely see any activity there. So one of the things that I know the city would, would like to do would be to develop that, to put residential and commercial Mm -hmm and a, a draw to the city. The big thing they need is the land bridge. They've got to have a connective walking area that, so you don't have to walk over or under 90. Yeah. Uh, you know, that that's the big, it's, <laughs> it's landlocked right now. Well, if by chance they do decide to punt the Haslam's and move, that would then give the city that piece of land to yeah. do something with. Mm-hmm. And that's a centerpiece of downtown. If they did move, would they would they would they tear down the stadium? Well, why would you keep it? You would yeah, have to. I mean, at to. that point, why why would you keep it? Um, there's no other team that you can put in there to play. It doesn't make sense. Now, if you want to turn it into some sort of outdoor concert music venue, mm-hmm. that's a possible. You know, I don't know how much of that structure could survive as they still rearrange it to to be mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I have no idea what they would do with it. What would become of it? But I, I think what we have here is a good old-fashioned political stare-down between Mayor Bibb and Jimmy Haslam. And, the, you know, I, I, I believe that he went back and, you know, he has Mayor Bibb has a city council that he got to deal with. You got he got people, it ain't just his word. He, he, he can go back and they say, look, we, we ain't got the votes for this. We just don't and, have and, it. And, gee, could you blame anybody on the council or Mayor Bibb if they said, we've got a finite number of dollars? And we have a lot of issues that need addressed in Mm, Cleveland. For one, crime is skyrocketing. Auto theft in in Cleveland, (laughs) the the numbers, we just put these up on Channel 3 either yesterday or the day before. Auto theft is up like 60%. Violent crime is up. It's hot also. Everything (laughs) is up. Our police force is woefully undermanned. Woefully. Everybody's quit. And And the new classes that are coming through, are it's it's stunning to me just in the five years that I've been here to see how small those classes have gotten down to to now it's like a gathering I'll of tell you, friends I'll, and family. I'll tell you what, Jay, I, I'm over at uh, at the Halley Building downtown, right? And I, I've been I've been working at that radio station 12 years. My car has been broken into in broad daylight. No kidding. Broad daylight. I chased the dude across the street. <laughs> chased him across. He broke. And all for what? Like some change? Yeah, what are you getting? A, a change on my bra. I had to replace his window. So, so when I look at it, now I'm spending $12, $13, $14 just to park my car in a parking garage so it's safe. for three hours. I, and you know what? There's sometimes you see a meter there, and there's cops that come into the alley building uh, and, and, and eat at a restaurant there. And I'm like, ain't it crazy that I don't even trust it, the fact that there are cop cars out here being a deterrent for car theft. So I'm just like, you know what? And I don't even care about what the car is. I just don't want to replace a window. Right. I would rather just, you know, go across the street, get in my car and go home. 
And G, to that point, so I, that finite pile of cash that you have, how do you go to your residence that, you're, that you answer to and say, you know, we don't have money for better schools. <laughs> we don't have money for better teachers. Facts. We don't have money to invest in the greatest resource that any city has, our young people. We don't have uh, resources to make our city safe and secure. There's no, there's but, no after-school programs. There's no more baseball programs. It's all been cut. All, but, all social funding. But, but what we're going to do is write a couple hundred million dollar check to a billionaire, so when he sells the team, he gets even more money because he's selling a new stadium with it. That's a it's bad hard look. to sell that. Bad look. And so I think one of two things are, will happen here. And I, I've never for a second thought that Haslam wanted to just renovate that stadium. He wants a dome. Mm. I've never for well, a I second. Thought, I always thought that was part of the piece that got Deshaun to come because everybody was like, he wants to play warm weather and he wants to play. Well, I don't dome. know that that would have been the case because even if you start a construction on a dome stadium today, they're not playing there for three years. Three to four. I mean, it takes a long time to build these behemoths. Yeah. So I don't know that that had anything to do with why Deshaun chose to come here because he wanted to play in a well, dome. Well, uh, 230 I, million reasons. Th- why that, that's probably more, more likely than anything else. But I think what what's going to end up happening here is Jimmy's either going to and, and here's the other thing. The idea was floated again from the Neotrans blog. Mm-hmm. Funny how all these things are coming through <laughs> one guy. The story was planted uh, about a week ago. Well, it looks like the Browns are going to play in Columbus for three years. I did see that. <laughs> hey, you know how Do I, you think for let, one let, second let, that was ever a possibility? I didn't no. mind that. You there know, was on, a, on game day, if I, you I know you had to mind roll out 71. You don't know. There is a cold war. Between Cleveland and Columbus. It is a good You say the other C word? Whoa, 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 whoa. Listen, Columbus? And, and you're going to ask 60,000 Cleveland fans. But it was eight to nine games that you was just speaking of. Yeah, you traveling down about, to Columbus. I, I can go right from, oh, man, y'all come on down so, to my world. Again, you know, fr- from a very cynical and a, a, a longtime media personality here, I'm looking at these planted leaks. And I'm like, he's just that's he's just getting his word out. He's just fighting the battle in the public. I mean, he knew that that everybody's gonna be like, what? We're not going to Columbus, so that would put pressure on the city. So what are you gonna do? Yeah. Or if you don't want to go to Columbus, then we got to build the stadium somewhere else. Yeah. That's... So we can continue <laughs> playing there. Yep. And then when it's and done, we'll move into our new day. So, so that that's actually that's that's the plan, right? I there. think that that's is the exactly plan. The plan. That's it. If that's what Haslam wants, it's he, his team. He should just and, say that. And he wants to pay for all of it. <laughs> yeah, look, no, I'm, I'm fine yeah, with he that. Paying hey, look, for look, it, look, look, he look, can he, do whatever now, he wants. Now look, he look at her and say, "Hey, uh, he comes into town. He's like." You know those Cleveland Clinic courts, uh, hey Dan. How did the financing work for those? Did you get any anything <laughs> exactly. over there? Like he just keep calling around. Gilbert's like, what do you mean Jimmy's on the phone? We haven't talked to him in weeks. And by the way, you knew it was a plant because I didn't even know the Northeast Ohio Transit System had a blog. Who do you? I, I didn't. <laughs> when, when, when did y'all start dropping articles and an opinion pieces? Breaking huge stories. Like, come on, stop. That that then later come out to be refuted. So, like, if, if I'm a media member and I'm writing a story that I'm getting directly from the Browns organization, and let's face it, it had to come from someone inside. Direct. And then that same organization, months later, comes out and publicly refutes it. That's the last time I ever print anything they whisper in my ear. Yeah, yeah. they set you up, bro. That but but true. they just printed the Columbus rumor again. Yep, yep. yep. <laughs> like, first time, shame on Haslam. Yeah. Second time, shame on you. Mm. And I don't, I don't know that that's what happened. It's... Pure speculation. I know how media works. I could I could be wrong. And if I'm wrong, I apologize. <laughs> but it just seems like it's all, you know, that there's, there's this public posturing to, to get this new stadium deal done. There's so much that go into this. And I do think that the one thing we can learn from today is that if it's going to happen, wherever it happens, it's going to happen out of Haslam's checkbook. And I think that's the way it should happen. And, and by the way, I don't... Um... I don't be I don't be at games like that anyway. <laughs> like if it's like I think he was like, well, may, will people get mad? It's almost like floating something out there to see what the temperature is. Well, that's the exactly what they did. And it's like, okay, will they accept uh, going to Columbus? No, they're not going to Canton. They're not doing none of that. 
So, okay, maybe they don't got a problem with it. They play it out in Cleveland Stadium or whatever the case may be. If they get good for a couple of years, they'll have some nostalgia while we, you know, we got good right at the end. And, you, and if you, you, you strike lightning, you can go, uh, you know, break ground on somewhere new and they'll still go to the games. If they build a beautiful domed stadium and it's in the vicinity of Cleveland, like Independence would they, be. Oh, they go to the game. That's Independence is pretty centrally located, yeah, easy to get to from the east, easy to, to get to from the west. I don't think people, fans would 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 be against that. People from, I mean, we used to Richfield Coliseum. We that's we, right. And we if it's a, up there. if it's a dome, I mean, it'd be packed even in the wintertime when it gets cold. In Every game, and you would also be able to hold a lot of other events there, which yeah. is what has that's how you monetize exactly it, if you're Jimmy Haslam and that's smart. He's being a smart businessman, but there's a lot a lot going on there. Okay, uh, you have a read. Yeah, I got to read for us guys real quick to wrap this segment up. I went out to the chat and I wanted to know what their thoughts were on using public funds for renovating the uh, renovating the stadium. And whenever we do that, we do that through PCC airfoils looking for a job with great career advancements and great benefits. PCC airfoils is a leading manufacturer in Northeast Ohio with all locations of PCC airfoils in Eastlake, Menor, Wycliffe and Minerva are hiring for all positions starting at $18 and up. Plus get a powerful benefit package, paid time off and signing bonus. Apply at precast.com slash careers to learn more. What are they saying about it? So 57% actually agree with us today. No, mm. The funds, Good. They're, they're with Bib. They shouldn't use it. 42% yeah. are saying go for it, and that's out of about 250 votes. I'm just stunned that there'd be even 42% that would say, yeah, go ahead, give the rich guy all the money he needs, even though we just bought part of a team in Milwaukee. Because they love their Browns. I, look, I, I do too. <laughs> but, I mean, for crying out loud, uh, he's a billionaire. He doesn't he need it. public handouts. He got it. He's not entitled to public handouts. He's he's not a public. He ain't entitled to nothing. Let me That's ask you guys. Let me ask you guys this: Does the team belong to Cleveland or does it belong to Jimmy Haslam? Haslam. Haslam. <laughs> That's the sad reality. But here's the way I look Haslam. at it: The team belongs to us. And by the way, the the, the league. Well, now that's why ben, it's not the Haslam Browns. Yeah, it's the Cleveland Browns, and, and Haslam's know that they can't do anything about that. No, like they're just, hamstrung. They can't move. It. They can't move. So they knew that moving in. So you just they have to be bad for a little bit. They'll be mad for a couple years. We'll be all right. Yeah, they got to win some games. All right. Um, we were going to talk about the Browns, how they package some draft picks to move up in the draft. You want to come back to that if there's time later in the show? Yeah, we'll come back to that. If we have some time on, for right? it because we got a lot of calves to talk about today. And ESPN's Tim Legler is joining us right now, guys. He's already on. All right. Oh, there, there, there he is. Look at that handsome devil. What's up, legs? <laughs> What is up? How's it going? Man, it's been a long time. I mean, it, it's been way too, too long, long, brother. Too as long. As a matter of fact. Way, way um, too long. <laughs> I got to start this way. Um, who were the Cavaliers? The team we saw in game one or the team we saw in game two? More like the team that you saw in game two. I mean, I'm, I'm going by the full season body of work. Right. Very impressed with their team this year. Look, they can be a little bit streaky offensively, but they're an elite level defensive team. And they've got a profile now that they've added a guy that's built for this stage in this moment in Donovan Mitchell. So I think that this is more like the team that you're going to see going forward, which is on game two. But look, I said going in, this is a this is a coin toss series. These two teams are pretty even and it's not going to shock me if this thing goes the distance. Nice. All right. You're on with G Bush. He's in the middle. Tyvis Powell, former Buckeye great football player, although he thinks he could play basketball and baseball. Do anything. I could do it all, Tim. <laughs> There's nothing that I can't do. So they'll be firing questions I at believe you that, as well. Hey, I believe that about myself, too, so I understand the mentality. <laughs> it's okay. You know, have, knowing both of you very well, I will tell you this. There's a lot of bleed over between Tim and Todd because <laughs> <laughs> you're both supremely confident. Tell that's you. for sure. Who's going to be the key in the series the rest of the way? Not named Donovan Mitchell because obviously, you know, that's an easy question. You could say it's Mitchell or Randall. Outside of those guys, who's going to decide this series? Man, I think it's going to be Darius Garland. Probably if I had to go option one, one A would be Mobley. But I think Darius Garland, because he has the ability to escape situations, right? When you have that kind of live handle and that kind of shooting range, then you're a wild card at all times. So even if Darius Garland goes through stretches where, you know, he's not getting touches or shots or he's not making shots, He's always going to have that ability to take over a game. Now, he can put together these scoring bursts that are going to be critical in this series because I think you're going to see more low-scoring games. It's just the way these teams are built. I think it's the way 
their offenses operate. These are going to be low-scoring games. So if you can get a 10-point burst out of a guy in a six-minute stretch, it could be all the difference in winning a game. And that means Darius Garland, I think, is the guy that you're going to look at because there's not a real answer for someone with his level quickness, shooting range, and ball handling ability. At some point, he's going to make himself felt on a given night. That might be enough to win that game. And in a game that's going to be a series that's going to be tight night after night, that, that could be the difference. Tim, we're at the towards the end of this this regular season, we seen Evan Mobley, you know, step on the scene. He was scoring. I mean, he was having 20, 30 point games. And in these playoffs, you know, he's getting uh, 12, 13 points. Is that more who he is, or do you think well, as these playoffs go against these Knicks, that he'll find a way to get that offensive game back? Yeah, I think that he's a guy that's got upside to be certainly better than that offensively to what he's shown in this series. I also think, look, there's something to be said about young players kind of going through this a little bit. Everything about these games is different than the regular season. Um, the physicality you're going to face, the, you know, the contact, the bodies, it's all going to be different for Evan Mobley. You know, he has still found ways to make his mark, but we haven't really seen him have that big night. I mean, he's capable of having, uh, you know, a 24 and 15 type of game. Um, so I, I think that we're all sitting here waiting for that to happen because the talent is there, the versatility is there. I think it's just this is going to be a tough physical series. Each possession is going to be magnified, and that, that shrinks the game. And so the numbers might not be the same. It's more about picking the spots to have an impact, to be a tipping point for your team to win a game. And I, and I think you're going to see that. But I do think at some point in this series, he'll have one of those 20 and 10s and hit some important shots in the fourth quarter. Tim, I, I got to admit, man, um, NBA Live 97. <laughs> NBA Live 97. You was the guy. Uh, you, won the, you, you won the NBA shootout, the three-point contest in 96, and I played with the, I played with the uh, Bullets, and what a squad. George Mirasan at center. Yeah. They had Chris Webber, Jawan Howard, also, Rod Strickland was on that team, and I had I had legs starting at three, small forward, coming off screens. I, I just want to thank you. I won a lot of money <laughs> in Live '97 because of the, uh, of the hey, bullets. Hey, listen, listen. This, this is this this is the truth now. So I've I've ever I've been out of the league for you know 2000. I retired. So I've been doing this for 22, 23, 22, 23 years. The comments I get on the street, if I run into people, typically are going to be one of a handful of comments. I'm either going to get you know, the, the the LeBron Jordan question comes up all the time. Somebody will ask you about the favorite team. Somebody will say, hey, man, I love the way you, you played. I love the way you shot the ball. Somebody will say, hey, man, I love your analysis on ESPN. And then that last one is NBA Live 95, man. You didn't miss a shot in NBA Bro. Live 95. So – the percent, my percentages were so good from the three. It's like they they put the they put my percentages on steroids for some reason <laughs> in that game. I literally don't miss. Don't so miss. It's, it's crazy, man. So I feel I appreciate the love. Don't <laughs> <He don't> miss. <laughs> He's a cheat code before the cheat code came out. Yeah, he was the oh, cheat code. Oh my goodness, You're right. man. He like, listened. do you do you lose time uh, sleeping? thinking that you were born 25 years too soon oh, yeah. because I, I I think you and I had this conversation in the past, but mm. you in today's game, my God, it would be, it'd be a difference maker. Man, oh man. Well, listen, Jay, yeah, I do actually. Unfortunately, thanks for bringing that up, by the way. You know, every time I talk to my therapist and they talk me off the ledge and then somebody like you will bring it up again. Um, yeah, listen, if I played today, the way I look at it, I would definitely uh, have a much bigger house. I'm certain of that. Um, I see what guys get paid. You know, it's, it's not even just the fact that guys are getting paid what they are. Like, for instance, a Duncan Robinson that gets $80 million, oh. right? has a couple of really good years in Miami. It's weird. They pay him, and then they decide that he's not good enough to play for him anymore. It's the weirdest thing in the world. Mm. But it's not just that because, look, the guy can really shoot the ball. It's the mentality of the offenses in the league. So there is no such thing as a bad shot. Right. You, I could literally, if I played today, shoot the ball anytime I wanted from anywhere without any repercussion. And that – is I, I just wonder what that freedom would feel like mentally that you can pull up on a one-on-two fast break and shoot a 28-footer and no one is blinking an eye. That is what I would like to know what that feels like for these guys that get to take seven, eight, ten, twelve three-pointers on a given night. 
Yeah, Tim, you got I, me fired up. Yeah, because well, guess what? <laughs> even, even you being the shooter you were, if you would have done that when you were playing, they probably would have sat your ass on the bench before you knew what happened. Well, listen, you know, the thing is this. So I, I always had the green light, right, on any team I played on. I, but the difference is, one, there was only a few guys, two or three on your roster that were empowered to take the three-point shot whenever they saw any daylight, right? Now, it's pretty much, you know, 12 out of 15 guys can shoot it when they want to. When I played, it was only two or three. But then, so I could shoot it when I wanted. It's just what what our eyes perceived as a good shot were totally different. You mm. know, when you ran the break and transition, you were trying to get something close, going to the rim or a short mid-range jumper if you had a three-on-one. Now, those two wings immediately fan out to the corners of the wings to shoot a three. So it's what we perceive, good shot, bad shot, is what's changed. I never had a coach ever tell me I took a bad shot. It's just that no one thought that any of these shots, most of these shots that guys take now were good shots. So you didn't even contemplate it. You know, you know, Tim, I, I will say that I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want to throw this in here. I just I was looking up something and they did have a comp for you. Uh, his name was JJ Reddick, and you know I didn't know he made 146 million in his career. <laughs> what? That's, you know that's what, guys? You're not I'm getting a Christmas card. Really bad connection. I'm gonna have to go. I really appreciate the time. But. Yeah, I don't think you're gonna send G Bush a Christmas card this hey, year. I will say this though, legs. Uh, first of all, I didn't know. I, I, I tell Jay all the time. I said I didn't know Donovan Mitchell was that good. I had no clue. Like he came here. And, and of course I watch basketball. Of course I watch the games and I'm I'm thinking he might come and get, get us 25 and take a lot of shots. But man, he got here and I said this dude is a monster. He's athletic. I didn't know his step back game was like that. He could he could shoot off the move. He could get to the rack. We knew he could dunk on people and do all those kind of things. But I didn't know he was the leader that he was because after game one, he pulled Darius Garland inside and said, don't wait on me. Get yours while you can. We'll figure the rest out. And I think I think that that projected them and propelled them to game two. And and I don't know how they're going to do it in game three, but I think he'll be ready to go go back home game three as well. Well, listen, you're right about him. He has a lot of of big stage experience in Utah. That's a playoff tested team. They went through it every single year in the West. He was the guy that always had the spotlight on him. He did. He never ran from the moment. Um, He's a guy that you bring up his step back game. And what's interesting is until you get to see him every night and you're a fan of the team, because, you know, when, you, when he's playing in Utah, yeah, you're going to catch him a couple of times and maybe you watch him some in the playoff. When you're watching him every night, the thing that jumps out is his ability to, to not only <laughs> separate, but also elevate in like tight boxes with people in his, in his face separates him on his ability to get off a jump shot pretty much anytime he wants to. There are not a lot of guys in the league that can say that. Like, guys have the handle, and they've got the separation, um, but they don't have that last component, which is the spring off the floor to go up above guys that are longer than him and still get off quality looks. So when you add that with the fact that he just isn't phased by the moment or the pressure or the game or the situation – yeah, you got a special player, and I think he's shown everybody in Cleveland what he's capable of. And now, look, he's going to have moments. It's ultimately, it's going to be in his hands. And there's going to be fourth-quarter game-defining, a.k.a. series-defining moments coming your way in the next 10 days, and he's going to have the ball in most of those. Legs, let me ask you about Isaac Okoro. I mean, obviously, he's been struggling offensively ever since he's come back. Really had an up and down season towards before he got hurt. He was seems like his offensive game was getting actually better. Now that we're in the playoffs, how long does JB give him before he pulls the plug on him and takes him out of the rotation? That's a great question. And you look, and that's that's the toughest part for coaches when you get to this time of the year because there's guys that you've played and you've trusted to a certain extent, but now you know that trust starts to evaporate a little bit because you just can't ride someone too long because these games are so tight and it's so important how momentum can shift so quickly. It's these are the big buttons that you got to push as a head coach. Like some of them are an autopilot. Like you're going to ride with Mitchell and Mobley and Garland. He's got no matter what they do, no matter what the shooting slump looks like, it doesn't matter. But then when you get to that secondary part of the rotation, 
Now you might have five guys and only three of them are going to get minutes on a given night. And that's what makes a coach's job so difficult. So look, I think that they like his athletic ability. They like his activity. They like his energy, but man, it would sure help if you could put the ball in the basket too. coaches seem to really <laughs> admire your energy a lot more when the ball goes in at the end. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the, the, the end game has yet. You got to be able to score and particularly it's funny how once you get in the playoffs and that rotation, everything is it's it's just it's like under a magnifying glass and three minutes sometimes can feel like an entire quarter and uh, that leash gets short. It's gonna be really interesting to see how JB handles the Okoro situation the rest of the series. Um, before we move off the Cavs series, uh, what is Madison Square Garden going to be like tonight? For those that have never been there, yeah. particularly been there for a big game, what are the Cavs in for? You know, here's the thing. In person, it used to be the pinnacle. I, I think now there are other arenas that replicate it. I mean, what goes on in Milwaukee is just, you know, it's insane. Uh, you know, Golden State has been riding that now for a number of years. Memphis can get like that. Uh, so there are other venues that it feels the same when you're in it. For me, what's different about it is, and I'll, 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 I think I'll ride this until you know my last day on the air. Madison Square Garden visually and the energy you're getting when you're watching on television is different than any other building in the league, maybe in professional sports. It just permeates right through the TV set, and you feel that. It's going to be wild. Look, they – this this team has been built uh, over a period now of several years, right? And Brunson was the key piece. They, he solidified the point guard position, and he's, he's, he's so far surpassed what anybody thought he could be as a pro. And they've now got an all-star caliber point guard every single night. So they now have this team, right, that's not just a the team they're thinking about, hey, that's great, that's great, we got in or we got into the play-in. No, they want to go ahead and they want to get through this round they then want to go on, and they believe that they can play with any of the, those top three who are considered the big boys in the Eastern Conference in the next round because their style of play dictates close games. Um, so they, they think their moment is here. The city senses it. I was talking, did a radio interview there yesterday, and um, it's obvious how hyped they are for these next two games because, you know, if Cleveland gets a split, right, they, they now back in control of the series. And the Knicks know that. So they're going to come out and they're going to try to hit them hard. There's going to be an adrenaline rush in the first half of this game um, that Cleveland has to withstand. If they can keep it tight in the fourth quarter, all of that pressure in a Northeast Corridor city, Philly, <laughs> yep. Boston, D.C., it shifts to the home team. So if true. it's a tight game and a defining moment, all of the pressure then is felt in the left arms of Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, and R.J. Barrett. And that's what the Cavs have to do. Just withstand that gut punch, stay in the game, stay within striking distance, six minutes to go, one possession game. Then that's when you have a propensity for the home teams in the cities I just mentioned to tighten up significantly. Yeah, we've seen it a lot. Yeah. And New York teams typically, uh, you know, for the championships that they've won, not talking about the Knicks, but the Yankees, that w the Giants, they – they have a tough time winning at home yeah. in playoff games. And hell, the, the Knicks this year have a better road record than they do home records. That's crazy. Yeah. Which is bizarre. I what don't know it, what it is about the Northeast, I, why they're so hard I, on their teams, but. I, you said something You said something that uh, was, was really key. Um, and this is, this is in playoffs in general, um, Legs. It's like, it, it astonishes, astonishes me the way the teams play the pick and roll. Like, there's so many different matchups, like the way Brooklyn is playing New York is they're just completely just blitzing and beat and telling, hey, look, you're not going to get the ball. Uh, yeah, Philly, Philly excuse me, yeah. Philly. They're just completely just making him get the ball up. When you look at this series and, and the way that they're covering the pick and roll, I think that um, I think that they were a little more physical on Brunson. And I thought also they were more physical on the offensive end of the of court because they ran. It just seemed like they just kept running picks at him all game. And when you get run at and your legs are gone and you got to work over those picks, it just seems like it slowed them down offensively a little bit um, in general in the playoffs. How big how big is the pick and roll um, when it comes to, to playoff basketball? Yeah, look, and, you know, it's, it's changed a lot because when I was playing, and, and I think even up to probably maybe 10, 12 years ago, 
teams had six, seven, eight different coverages on pick and roll, and you didn't run the same coverage all night. It seems like that's what teams have gotten away from. Whatever they come up with in the pregame and the game plan, they're going to go with it. And more often than not, it's going to involve a whole lot of switching. And to me, I see too many teams switch in a situation that isn't advantageous to them defensively. It makes no sense because the screen might be 30, 35 feet from the basket. Unless you're Steph Curry and even then, and Damian Lillard, you're not really going to pull that too often. So there's no need to be switching a ball screen at 35 feet from the basket when that guard is literally handpicking who he wants to play against. But I see teams do it over and over and over. It's an enormous part of the game. It's either ball screen or dribble handoff. I mean, that's what you're going to see virtually every possession in the NBA. You're going to see at least one ball screen or one dribble handoff. Most possessions you're going to see multiple. And I think because it's so prevalent, teams have gotten away from multiple coverages because they think it's happening too often. We're going to confuse guys. So let's just go with this coverage, drop coverage, switch coverage, fight over the top and hedge. We're going to do that every time. And there's no real changes throughout the game. And that's why really, really good guards, when they start to get a feel for it, this is how it's going to be all night, you're in for a long night when guys get it going because they know it's not going to be a whole lot different coming their way. Hey, Legs, I want to ask you about a guy we're familiar with. Uh, Mike Brown's done a terrific job this year in Sacramento. Um, talk a little bit about what he's been able to do there and how much of that is directly pinned to him. Uh, yeah, I've known Mike a long time. In fact, Mike was an assistant coach just starting out cutting his teeth when I was in Washington uh, at the end of my time in Washington, so late 90s. Uh, that's how long I've known Mike. He's just a smart guy. He's a great communicator. He has a great way of instilling confidence. He does. He really works well with younger players. Um, so it's no, there's no revelation that he's smart and that he did a great job. I think what they have figured out there is Darren Fox, first of all, has, has, has now oh. become an all-star caliber talent, no right? Point. So you didn't know coming out, was that going to happen? He's there now. He's on that level. Every night, he is capable of being the best player on the floor. Then you add a guy like Sabonis, right? So Sabonis is in that category with a Donovan Mitchell and a Jalen Brunson with impact this year with their first full year with a new team. He's right there because his work ethic, his tenacity, his toughness, you know, what he does in the weight room, what he does with his off-season conditioning, these guys have all been able to see it up close and personal. It sets the tone for your entire franchise. So that was a big addition. But then it's these other pieces, all of them coming from other places, whether you're Harrison Barnes or Kevin Herter or Malik Monk, right, whoever, Trey Lyles, whoever you are, this has been now this incredible opportunity to reinvent yourself and pound the gavel about who you are as a player. So you got a bunch of guys with chips on their shoulders that didn't feel like maybe they were appreciated where they were before. And when you can galvanize a locker room with that kind of mentality, us against the world, everybody in here has got something to prove. Even Mike Brown, who was fired you know, for, as a Lakers coach, everybody's got something to prove. And you add the talent of a De'Aaron Fox and a DeMonte Sabonis, now you have this. And then one last component. I want to make sure this is important. You know, they took advantage of a huge uh, a, a void this year in the West with guys being out. Their top guys going into the last week of the season, their top six scores had missed 17 games total combined. Oh, wow. So <laughs> it shows you something, right? If you show up every night and lace them up and actually mm. play with your best players, you can do something in this league because very few teams are doing that. Interesting. Uh, before we let you go, is it wise to call LeBron James old? Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to watch game three. Oh, I can't yeah. wait to watch every game I'm in that series in. now. I'm locked take, in. Take but is that, is that yeah, a smart look, move? You know, take the over. Everybody wants to talk about that. I don't think LeBron James is going to get sidetracked and make this about him and Dylan Brooks because, to me, he'd be doing himself an incredible disservice. Like, Russell Westbrook got caught up in that a few years ago. Russell Westbrook was Oklahoma City. And he got wrapped up in this battle with Ricky Rubio for some reason because Rubio had a big game one, had like 20 points. Next, everybody's talking to Westbrook about it. Next thing you know, he comes out, he's picking up Rubio 94 feet. He committed four fouls in the first half of a game. He completely got himself you know, wild between the ears. LeBron's not going to do that. He's too even killed. He's not going to come down to Dylan Brooks' level. But what he will do is make sure that everybody understands at the end of this game – LeBron James is the best player on the floor. Uh, he's the most dominant player on the floor. And that might not mean getting 35 or 40 like Dylan Brooks talked about. 
Maybe that's 25, 14, 12 boards, control the game, control the pace, make everybody better. His responsibilities are different. Like if, if Dylan Brooks said that to Kobe Bryant, Kobe's trying to go for 60. When you say it to LeBron James, he's got too many responsibilities for the other guys on his team to get wrapped up in a duel with Dylan Brooks. So I'm fascinated to watch it. I, I will say this last thing. You call a guy old that's still capable of being the best player every night, that's, to me, that's actually complimenting him. Who wouldn't like to be the best at something when or the oldest guy doing it? I, I think that's a compliment, actually, to LeBron James. Yeah, c- careful tugging on Superman's cape. Before I let you go, I've asked you this question a couple times during our friendship. I'll ask it to you one more time. I take you to uh, Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse right now, and I give you 103 point shots. How many are you making? I'll be very disappointed if I make less than 70. That's why I love them. Right there. <laughs> I agree. I'll I be disappointed. <laughs> you know what? Hey, as soon as I, if I ended up with 68, you know what the first thing I would say? Let's go. Rack them up. Let's run it back. <laughs> By the way, Legs, that's the, same, that's the same thing I ask Jay all the time. He got a basket in his in his basement. That's just crazy. He got, and he's like, yeah, I, I thought I was doing something. I got a 90. He's like, no, the record's 200. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Rapid fire, baby. Rapid fire. Legs, you're the best. That's it. Appreciate you. Thanks, we'll see you soon, it, man. Guys. See you soon. Enjoy it. Take care. And listen, I wouldn't bet against him. I think he no. could. I, I think he no. could hit seventy right he now. He can hit seventy. Did, I could definitely hit sixty-eight. He is. He, he is. <laughs> he is. Oh, by the way, I was. I'll talk to you about that. You guys about that later. But by the way, he's one. Like he's one of my favorite uh, of all time. He's I, I one of my he, favorite. Don't like, you think he'd make a great coach? Man, yeah, I, I think he'd he make got, a his great knowledge, coach. His knowledge and the way he explained how the game is yeah. coming, it, uh, and, a lot and of his kids, communication skills. Like, yeah. let's face it, Mike Brown's a great communicator. Yeah, this it, it's really crazy what Mike Brown has done. Yeah, it is. He's won Coach of the Year, fourteen years apart with two different teams. Unanimous, impossible. Too. It's it's really impossible. it's highly unlikely. First, um, I think he's the first Coach of the Year in, in uh, Kings franchise history. I, think I they wouldn't said. doubt it. I wouldn't <laughs> doubt it. Um, I, I could have swear. I thought would have thought Rick Edelman would have won it a couple years when he was rolling with Chris Webber. And I don't. I don't know. I, we'd have to look look back. I on swear. That, I thought when I watched the game last night. I swear it's just, they said it's really that. it's it's impressive. Um, and, but I think Legs is a great communicator, and he and I have had conversations about you know I think he would like to coach mm-hmm. at some point. Um, he's actually a new father. Don't That's really. crazy. He's got a 16-month-old. That's crazy. Really? Yeah. That, see, I don't feel bad about my life. I'm 41. I got I got a couple months to go, some years ago. Yeah, now, you're okay. I, I, I'm, uh, you're legs. You're okay. You starting at 41? Yeah. It's Woo. all good. Yeah, listen, That's the new 31. Yes. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. <laughs> so, <laughs> legs, right legs, is, legs is probably close to my age. Uh-huh. And, you know, he's, he's certainly in his the 50s. L- the lieutenant got literally maybe one or two years out of me and that to figure that out and if it don't happen you, you yeah, got you got another laugh. you got another one in you though I don't yeah, yeah, I'm good what you mean? I'm you got two girls if you guarantee me the third one's a boy we can go for but it you, if you, you can't yeah. guarantee me I, you don't want to be that three-time girl dad no no three all-time girl dad lead you know I read like once <laughs> it is it I don't know if this is a, a fact but I read once that the more athletic you are the more likely you are to have girls Listen, well, I need to strip well, down. If that's the case, then we really don't need to. We need to cut <laughs> it out. <laughs> right. I don't even know if that's true, but I did. I did read it was either study. Well, I, somebody's told me that if you have two girls, the chances of you your third one being a boy is very slim to none. You know, you do now. Listen, you do know you can go. You, you can go get your eggs you, pulled, you, and you, you, you can cheat it. You can cheat. You got the bag. Go, go ahead and yeah. Get, speaking of the bag, like Set it up. speaking of the yeah. bag, Anthony, talk we about the how they just too. lost the bag. I actually don't have a read right this second, but we do have some break, quick breaking news from the NFL. Let's see if you want to take tag board. No quick, Ian NFL suspends five players, including Lions wide this receiver Jameis Williams, for violation of NFL gambling policy. Lions C.J. Moore and Quentin Cephas, play, plus Commanders uh, Tony, are suspended indefinitely for one year, and then Williams and Detroit's Stanley Berryhill are suspended for six games Woo. for gambling. Now, now, I think tr- that this is going to be the new norm, guys. I, yeah, I think because this is going to be with common. It, with it being uh, legalized and sports betting being legalized, it's more accessible on your phone. And you think you could be slick and try to hide it through your girl or somebody else doing it. They figured that out and figured out that it's you. But 
The thing that's getting me is that it's always been one year. I'm interested how the other two got six games. I wonder if it's because now more than ever, the league is partnered with gambling entities. But they still gave out years to five of them, three do, of them got a year. Do you think it year. has to do with the amount that they bet? I, I haven't read the article yet. I, yeah, I, don't I, don't know. Know. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. But I think that because it's going to be so common, that they're gonna have they, can't to. Go, they can't be suspended 25 guys for a year. I mean, that's I, half a team. I mean, are they – my, my question is, are they refreshing these, these seminars? Are they bringing people in telling them, like, look, 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 let me talk to you all real quick. Just because you see FanDuel, DraftKings, all that stuff, they're not talking about y'all. You can't do that. Like that's yeah. are they refreshing me? I would hope so. Because this I mean, when you walk into every major league baseball clubhouse, their anti gambling policy is posted hmm. everywhere. Ain't yeah. that crazy, Jay? Jay? It's like That's baseball's cardinal it, sin. It's 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 a contradictory. It's the it's a walking contradictory. Yeah. Like it, it's like, hey, we know it's bad, but we are making billions. They're yeah. like, we just catching the money, we we raking it into the coffers. I wonder at some point if we're not going to see a lawsuit from a player that gets suspended. And here's why I say that. Uh, I know they're a private business. They can do what they want. But the league, to your point, is taking hundreds of millions of dollars in ad advertising revenue from something that they're prohibiting their players from participating in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, I know it's all in it's, – it's, I understand why you have to – you have to – trust the product yeah right and if the, the thought is it, well we're not betting on football well if you suffer huge losses betting on basketball if you're looking for the most comprehensive nfl draft coverage this offseason look no further than the locked on nfl scouting podcast join the draft dudes kyle krabs and joe marino as they go position by position through the nfl free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 nfl draft if you want to know who your favorite nfl team should be adding to its roster you need to check out locked on nfl scouting available on youtube and wherever you get your podcasts part of the locked on podcast network your team every day there's one quick and easy way to make sure you get all that money back, and that's by betting on a game that you can control. So, so you do you? I don't, I'm not. Are they not allowed to bet on any sports? I believe so, it's any so. So when sport. I when I, I played, it was any sport. any sport. You can't yeah. bet on any sport. And and, 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 the reason and it's because, it is because forces count. Yes, because the reason is so. For example, if I play football, but my best friend is Kevin Durant. Like, I still can talk to Kevin Durant and he'll right. be like, yeah, such and such ain't feeling and well. I, today. I, I also <laughs> think the other part of that, too, is like, the, the scenario that I gave. Let's say you just bet baseball or bet basketball and you, you're on a real losing streak and you're, you know, these guys aren't betting $500. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're, you know, $60,000, dollars $100,000 in the hole. Well, the one way you can control how you make that back, particularly if you play a position of importance, basketball, you're LeBron James, you know, you just decide you're going to be two for 20 tonight. That ain't happening. You know, and That's so, crazy. no, but with one, yeah, by crazy. throwing one game. Man, yeah. And yeah. so what the public has to be reassured of constantly, and it's more important now than ever, is that what they're watching is true no, and well, real. Do you think this, I, this is a possibility? If I'm always looking for an angle. I'm like this. Well, look, we can't participate in it, but here's what, what I would have as a lawyer. I'd ask him, I'd say, look, um, you know, we can't really bet. We don't do all the fantasy stuff, but what we, we really want is we would like to have a cut of all of that. Like, as a player, we can't bet on it, but we are contributing to it. So, Well, it, no, I wonder, are they already? Because a lot of these collective bargaining agreements say that they get a percentage of the revenue. The, so well, the it, revenue would be included in that, wouldn't or, it? Yeah. Or, or, yeah, like, or why couldn't, like, can they play fantasy football? You know, I don't know. I don't, Tyvis. No, anything with money involved. No, you can can't. you tell? So if there's a buy-in league, you can't cannot. participate. But so a friendly league, you can. Yeah. 
But can you tell them as a player, if you're a player, say, look, if I'm not going to get nothing for fantasy football ESPN, I don't want to, you can't, you can't draft me. Well, I think the league's counter to that is you are getting something. <laughs> that goes into our total coffer and you get 51% of our total revenue. You see how they be doing it? They Winking a nudge. Well, now look, I don't know that that's actually what they're saying, but, but I, that was a good, it was convinced a, me. Look, the, the rise of the league, the meteoric lie, it was already popular. The meteoric rise of the league over the last 20 years is directly tied to fantasy football in all likelihood. Once the sports betting is is legal in all 50 or however many is are, are going to eventually make it legal 50. It's going to be. It's going to continue to contribute to the popularity of the sport. It you does. Got, you got 50 bucks riding on a game. You're glued to the set. That's true. You're more likely to watch a game. Yes. If you have a bet on it. Yes, that is that is and, and I've never <laughs> played fantasy football and so the first time like I was like, you know what? Let me get in one of these leagues. It was it was I wouldn't even then say you so. start watching eight games a week, nine, ten games. I, I used to watch one game a week. That's it. Mine. My, the my Browns. Teams. That was it. Then I'm in really? fantasy. Yeah, then oh, I'm in yeah, fantasy well, football. I got to watch my four o'clock guys. <laughs> then I got to watch my eight o'clock guys. Yeah. Then I got to watch Monday night football. And then you get to a point where you feel like if you didn't watch them, they didn't play well. I said, yo, you know what? Like, 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 like their performance is hinged on whether or yeah. not you're rooting for yeah, them. Yeah, let me go. Let me check in. What I ain't checking with my boys. I've swallowed that point. When, when, when dad is in the stands, you go play a little bit harder. They said, it's just like, I'm watching. Yeah, but they it's don't like, know that I have the money. I team. need, listen, I need Austin Eckler to get and then, 15 and then, points tonight. If I'm watching it, the chances of him getting the 15 points increase. It's just what it but is. But you know what you do then? You live and die, it's particularly if he's <laughs> the only guy going in the matchup, yeah. and it's the Monday night game, and you know exactly what he needs. That's the one you, You're watching like this That's every play. Why'd you give it to Eckler? He was wide open. That's the truth. <laughs> they get down to the goal line. Get, oh, you got to give it to Eckler here. You got to give it to Eckler Listen, here. Full last back. year, I had Najee Harris. Going into the game, he needed 10 points. You know how many points he got? 9.9. 11. I oh, was like, nice. it was the worst day of my life. Yeah, I was sitting I there towards the end of the game. Play, like, it's like, that's why I I don't know that I'm going to continue doing fantasy football because it does steal. It, it, it does. A 15 hours a week of mine that I ordinarily wouldn't give up. Because, and then you got these conflicting interests. Like, so say for instance, like oh, if I yeah. have the Browns, like, okay, so I want the Browns to win, but I got Nick Chubb, so that's even more. I, I want him to get the ball. But then if I'm playing, I, I, I've already drafted Deontay Johnson, and I'm like, well, I'm going to start him this game because at least if they lose and Deontay Johnson catch the football, I at least have a silver lining. What's and I worse than that, that? I call them silver lining games. The Browns are playing the Bengals, and Joe Burrow is your quarterback. Right. Like, the silver lining is, well, at least Burrow had 450 yeah, yards. Yeah, the Browns yeah, lost, and that yeah, sucks, yeah, but my for, team won. My team won. And listen, I'm in first place. I, and I'm it's trying. hard to root against, you know, you're like, I don't want to root for Joe Burrow, but, but he's my guy. I need him in fantasy, but I can't. I was it's, hard, it's hard to root against Joe Burrow. You got to pick I somebody know else. Yeah. Uh, we got business <laughs> to do top of the hour. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.